0: all right hey everyone welcome to dropping in surf show uh today is april 22nd 2020 uh, we are recording from belmarine keys california and corta madera california my name is rob case i am a paddling technique coach i teach surfers of all levels all around the world how to catch more waves with less effort and today i am joined by my friend and colleague jim Sigelnik. hey jim how's it going you can unmute yourself
1: <laughs> yeah rob going pretty well over here thanks for having me man
0: oh yeah absolutely <laughs> man so i started the recording super late for zoom so they only got like half of your introduction that's how how on the ball we are on this thing <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey we're gonna work out the kinks as we go i think oh, yeah. that's okay
0: yeah, for sure. Our, our
1: fan base will understand.
0: <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So, um, Jim's a pretty humble guy. I'll I'll introduce him. He's a are you Doctor or Doctor Rit? Uh, yeah,
1: I, I guess the official title is Doctor of Physical Therapy.
0: Okay, there you go, Doctor of Physical Therapy, which basically means he's a super smart guy <laughs> with physical therapy, and uh, I'll tell you, I every time I talk with Jim I always learn something new and I always feel a little bit dumber at the same time (laughs) so so he's gonna yeah he's gonna drop some some super smarts on us uh, in the show Um, so let's talk Well, actually before we get started into the show I'm just gonna Jim works at Kaiser Hospital Um, he's being trained right now for triage basically means that at any minute he can be pulled into the front lines to help with the COVID issue. Um, so a big hats off to all the healthcare workers out there right now that are dealing with this, all the grocery clerks, all the delivery men and women out there. Um, and also everybody at home actually doing their part to, not spread this disease. Um, so hopefully, you know, we keep our hopes up. We keep smiling. We're, we'll get through this together. So thank you, Jim. And thank you to many of our clients that are out there uh, watching this. Definitely thank you guys so much. And uh, that was a really positive way to start the show, I thought.
1: <laughs> yeah, I liked it. it, it, it um, yeah, I, I kind of like it, it probably made it seem a bit more gratuitous than it needs to be i uh um I feel a bit like the Army Reserve like I signed up for this job for the college money not to go to war <laughs> um, <laughs> so i I guess I'm on the third line versus the first line, but yeah, you're absolutely right it's uh it's kind of an unusual time as we all know, and uh if I get called in um I get called in but um hopefully it doesn't come down to that. I don't think it will
0: yeah, yeah, I think we're doing pretty well here and. In- in, uh, in Marin, you know, we're, so to, to let some of you guys know that haven't visited us, We're uh, Jim's about 10 minutes from San Francisco, north of San Francisco. I'm about 20 minutes north of San Francisco. And Marin's, I think Marin's been doing pretty good with this pandemic. We've been in lockdown, or not lockdown, but shelter in place for over a month now. So I think people are going crazy, but <laughs> I think we're doing all right.
1: Yeah, I think I think compared to obviously places like New York, Um, We're doing excellent. Um, It's pretty interesting to kind of learn as we go. Um, This area of infectious disease obviously is not my area of study, so I am weirdly, I guess, having a fun time learning about it as we go, you know, Um, in, in, in trying to pick up what the experts are telling us. And the thing that's confusing, at least for me, is you get multiple different groups of experts saying slightly different things and and then you get countries like Sweden doing slightly different things that are a bit controversial and and I think we'll come to a point in time uh, in the future like a lot of things in 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 my world of rehab where we try to base things off the of best evidence is we'll kind of realize the mistakes we made and the things we did well and then we'll almost in a way treat this whole thing like a controlled study as best as we can. Um, but it's a bit unusual, yeah. So um, every day I feel like I pick up something a little bit new. Uh, I just read a, an article before I jumped on here with you. Um, uh, the article might have had a biased tint to it, but it talked about Sweden and how they're approaching uh, the, 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 the threshold of herd immunity at 60% um in the next couple weeks and so that's kind of an interesting thought uh but i guess you know we'll see how it
0: goes yeah no that's it's super interesting and i think we've 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 broken another rule of shows by talking about like politics and policies right on the back <laughs> <laughs> i was neutral when i talked about it <laughs> yeah I, I thought you did great i did great um so i i think we lost like half of our viewership yeah they're like
1: i thought we were talking about
0: surfing man (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about the show um so we're calling it dropping in surf show and basically we're gonna drop a little bit of math a little bit of science and with a whole lot of surfing because we're both fanatics about it is that a pretty good description you think
1: yeah i think so um I don't know so much about math, but, um, (laughs) well,
0: that's good. You know, it's funny. We had one of our clients, um, he was talking, he called, we we talked earlier this week and he was talking with Lori and catching up and he's like, I never knew that Rob was a math major. And he's like, that makes all the sense in the world now. And I was like, is that a good thing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is
1: that why he's like rain,
0: man? Yeah. (laughs) He's off in a corner counting cards
1: <laughs> yeah well if i had it if i kind of had to throw it back your way rob you know pay you a compliment um we've been buds for a while now but i feel like every time we kind of get on this topic i pick up a little two cents from you too and i go huh i never really thought about it this way um and so uh that's the kind of stuff that challenges me and inspires me and it makes me think about something that we all love to do like surfing and paddling um maybe in a slightly novel way and so it's 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 kind of a neat way to challenge ourselves when we've been doing this for a decade or two you know i'm going on two plus decades now which makes me feel incredibly old um but i'm like man i've been paddling for 25 years i've never thought about paddling like that that's super cool
0: yeah yeah it's crazy i i got really lucky getting into this and and we can we can kind of go back in our histories uh on another show but um yeah, I think, I think, hey, did you know that we actually have show sponsors already? We haven't even finished our first episode and we have show sponsors. Super rad. Yeah. Did you know it? No, who's sponsoring us? Oh, it's so cool. So, surfingpaddling.com and saltypttalk.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. No. <laughs> the link is in the mail. Yeah, you know, we have a little we have a little bit of room for more sponsorship, but I mean, those two are solid headliners there. I forgot to um tape up all the logos <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hold on. Um, <laughs> we're super good at this. Uh, but yeah, this show is sponsored or brought to you by. That's how we're supposed to introduce it, right? The show is brought to you by surfingpaddling.com and assault uh, saltypt.com. So. <laughs> um, so I figured we get right into the to the bulk of it um, we both kind of plan on presenting something we don't really know what we're gonna present on so um, the person listening should have questions if we do this right we uh, we should have questions uh, as we go through this and in that way the, the audience gets to learn a little something and if we really do this the right way I think the audience goes away with something super valuable that they could use Or at least think about and maybe even have more questions on um, if we do this the right way.
1: Yeah, just to clarify a bit, I don't know what you're going to present on and I halfway know what I'm going to present on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. That's perfect. So um, (laughs) I I switched my topic like five times. I'll go ahead and start with the first drop in. I the, the premise was to look through a bunch of, of different research reports and and come up with some different questions that we could ask and hopefully answer so I was looking through a couple different uh, studies one was from 2010 uh, from Journal of Sports Science and I definitely got my notes here so don't think that I'm doing this off the cuff um, this one was done by Griffith University in Queensland Australia a similar study done in 2014 by actually a, um, a correspondence of ours uh, uh, who was a PhD at the time in sports science specifically surf <laughs> sports science which I thought was cool at the University of Porto in uh, Portugal so um, he did uh, uh, surf power paddling Velocity and acceleration analysis, which I thought was a really cool name too. And then um, a similar study done in 2011. Well, maybe not similar, but it's a, a physiological profile of athletes and determinants of performance. Now, all three of these studies somewhere in their study, they provided certain data or they did some tests um, on paddling speed and i don't know i don't know if you and i have actually discussed this but let's just assume we haven't (laughs) um but each of the studies and i'll go ahead and kind of throw up in editing uh, a little snapshot of the different studies Uh, a few of them showed just kind of the general move uh speed or velocity how it kind of plateaus here and then at the end each one did about a 10 second test um, without pushing off of a wall there was one, here's the other one from University of, of Porto. It looks really similar. So it's basically a 10 second test and there you see the acceleration go up. This one's really cool because this shows not only the velocity but also the acceleration down on this line. So you have this really high acceleration in the very beginning and then the acceleration basically goes to zero once you're at your top speed. Um, some some really cool stuff. Now. The point of me bringing all this data is in is that all of the studies kind of found that same range of how fast we're actually paddling uh, on a shortboard, and some of them had competitive surfers, some of them had recreational, and they all kind of fell within the same range of about three point seven to four miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Now this is pretty much in line with uh, with what I found with the the, the thousands of clients that we've, uh, we've been training back here. Um, it's in that general range. It's a little bit faster than a lot of this, the, the paddling that I've been doing with clients. Um, it's consistent. I would say for the rest of us, for kind of an average group, we're looking at 2.5 to 3.5 miles an hour where we're paddling around most of the time in that kind of range. And then when we're catching a wave, that's when we're hitting that 4-mile-an-hour burst, for example. So, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. So, for longboards, no studies have been done on this. Uh, But what we can do is we can use benchmarks that I've seen and also benchmarks from some of the paddleboard races. Because we know that a longboard is going to be not as slow as a shortboard, but not as fast as a prone paddleboard. Mm -hmm. So, it's going to wedge kind of somewhere in between. Now, in in mine, um, it's more... What I've seen is in that three to four and a half mile an hour range, which I found surprising because I thought, you know, when you get on a longboard, you feel like you're flying through the water, but you're really only going maybe a mile an hour faster. But on water, it feels like you're in a Ferrari <laughs> in terms of speed. The paddle, the prone paddleboard races. I, I pulled some data from the Catalina Classic, which is an all-flat water event. It's 32 miles from Catalina Island to Mainland, California. Uh, I think they end up in Salt Creek area. Not sure. Not sure about that. But first place overall in 2016 for the unlimited class, which is like the big 17 to 19 foot paddle boards, they averaged six miles an hour. Mm. Over 32 miles. So they were probably peaking a little bit higher than that at times. Um, The stock boards, which are 12 feet long, Averaged uh, 5.7 miles an hour, and the women's was five miles an hour. So that kind of gives us an idea that longboards are going to be a little bit under that, mm-hmm. probably significantly under that, because longboards are not designed to go as fast as these prone boards. These prone bo- boards are designed to go fast but not turn very well, whereas mm-hmm. longboards are somewhat designed to turn and do mm-hmm. other things. So, so, the question that I have, and, I, and I'll go ahead and ask you, Jim, because uh, you have your, your background in surfing over, over 20 years. How fast do we need to go to catch a wave? Fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Um, what, have, what have you been told? Like, you know, growing up like, or learning.
1: You know, I, I came from a bit of a baseball background where a fast pitch like in high school would have been 80 miles an hour. And so to hear standing on a surfboard, you might be going 10 miles an hour, and in your head it feels like you're going 100 miles an hour. It's, it's completely um, kind of mind-numbing to think about that. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think um, I, would, I would kind of defer to you on that. Like I think so much of it is about positioning and reading the ocean and maybe not necessarily – paddling faster and, and, and of course that would just help us generally but I would argue that maybe the slower paddler has better wave or ocean sense and just knew where to be and he or she had to do less effort to catch the wave so I don't know I'm sorry my son is yelling daddy in the background um yeah I don't know um, going like some of those paddleboard kind of um observations i mean that's kind of an interesting topic like when when you start going okay the longboard has to be somewhere between a shortboard and a paddleboard but those paddleboards to me are so variable like like in terms of like okay it's open ocean right so like were you were you riding with the tide or were you riding against the tide was there swell like cuz those guys and girls are 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 paddling pretty much downwinders you know they they're going with open ocean current um but i think physically it makes sense the longer the haul the the faster you're going to paddle but i don't i don't know what are your thoughts on on how fast you need to paddle to
0: so i'm going to actually reference a great teacher of mine early on in surfing a guy named chandler from the north shore you you may <laughs> you may have heard of him yeah he's a mentor of mine. Uh, I think in that one, he was talking about like, you need to be going as fast as the wave or faster to catch the wave. Have you heard that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's basically, that's to your original answer of just enough. That's how fast we need to go is just as fast as whatever the wave is moving at or slightly faster. So, um, I did a a, a bit more research into this. Uh, the next question is how fast is a wave moving? into the beach and it's gonna all depend on bottom topography uh, and uh, and that sort of in what we call refraction what what makes a wave break but there's this professor down at UCSD uh, named David Sandwell that he loves surfing and he did a little physics uh, for surfing and what he does is he uses what's called the shallow water wave formula uh, to determine how fast a wave is moving into the beach on average, now it's going to vary slightly uh, depending on the breaks and the topography, but in general, this formula actually works quite well. Um, so, when a wave, when a shallow water wave breaks, it's different than when a deep water wave breaks. So, a deep water wave, when it breaks, it has a lot to do with the wavelength between the waves. When a shallow water wave breaks, it has way more to do with the bottom. And how fast and, and that determines how fast it's moving so the waves depth makes a big difference as well as what's underneath so as the wave depths change and we hear this all the time they're like "Oh, it went from deep water shallow water super fast and it felt really quick well that's a part of the reason why that is so if you get something that's really drawn out and long that wave feels like it's coming in really slowly and it's breaking really slowly but the speed, the actual speed of the wave itself, that's what we're talking about. The, they call it the celerity of the wave. And it's equal to the square root of the <laughs> of gravity times the depth of the water that it's in. So I'm just gonna drop, I'm gonna drop some data on you, all right? So I did some of the math. So here's some of the math that comes in a two-foot true height wave. So when we're talking about true height, we're talking about like actual 24 inches high, uh, which is like a knee-high wave. It's not Hawaiian size. A two-foot true height wave breaks in about two and a half feet of water roughly. Uh, and it's moving into the beach at approximately 6.2 miles an hour. 6.2. A four-foot Wave is moving in at about 8.75 miles an hour a six foot wave is coming into the beach at about 10.7 miles an hour a 10 foot wave is coming in at about 13.8 miles an hour 20 foot waves coming in at about 19.6 so it's not linear it's you know got a bit of a curve to it a 40 foot true height wave which is like a maverick size wave is coming in at 27.7 miles per hour now, I'm going to reference back to our paddling speeds. So the big question is, if we paddle at most four miles an hour on a shortboard, how is it possible to catch a two foot wave, a knee high wave that's moving 6.2 miles an hour? Right? If we need to catch up to that wave, how do we even get there if our max speed is four? right? And that, that's kind of the, the question that blows my mind. And this is, this has a lot to do with what I cover in level two, which is talking about catching a wave, but it kind of makes you think that there's gotta be other things that are picking us up to that 6.2 miles an hour. There's gotta be other forces, right? Like I don't have a, I don't have a board that has a motor in it. So it's not that I'm not getting pulled in with a, with a kite. So it's not that I'm not getting pushed in uh, and my paddling only takes me to four so there's there's actually two other forces that allow us into the wave and kind of going back to your point that maybe a slower paddler might be in a better place that they're taking advantage of the two other forces that actually get us up to 6.2 miles an hour so I'll tell you what they are and then I'll kind of reference back to paddling so one is gravity which Basically, a wave is just like a skate ramp. We're just dropping into a curve or an inclined plane, uh, and we're going to bring in some trigonometry in a, <laughs> here in a second. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, waves are orbital. And as they come into the, as they come in and they touch the, as they touch the bottom, their uh, their top keeps moving in this direction, and their bottom kind of stops and lifts. And that's what creates kind of the curl, right? So that top motion, what I call momentum force, uh, you want to call it whatever you want, but that's still moving into the beach. So you have this vector that's moving you into the beach, and then you have gravity here. And it's the combination of these two vectors that picks us up to 6.2 miles an hour or 27, almost 28 miles an hour, just dropping into a 40 foot wave. So, those are kind of the two forces, which when I present this in level two, this is when I say, okay, well, paddling doesn't matter then. You can catch a wave without paddling at all. Have fun. <laughs> End of class. Right? All the stuff you've learned in level one is worthless, right? <laughs> but not necessarily because. What paddling really does is it gets us into those forces sooner. And there's that advantage that we might have, is being able to tap into gravity and tap into that momentum force even just a split second sooner gives us that extra advantage to either take more time popping up or set up the wave. It can be the difference between an extra turn on a wave in a competition. There's so many Benefits that come out of just a split-second advantage that you get at the very beginning of the wave um, so What's really interesting about this is that? I'm going to pull out that uh, that trigonometry right now to to measure the uh, The incline plane and the acceleration that we get from it So I'll go ahead and throw this up in a in a better in a better view in editing but basically, this is all a wave is. It's this inclined plane. And we have drag forces, not friction, like in this example. There's friction forces slowing this box down, coming down this ramp. But we have drag. And drag, as we talk about a lot in level one, is just a major nuisance for us moving through water. But but here, what we're talking about is is the... So, so my next question really became when I was kind of thinking about this was, well, how high, how high does the ramp need to be for us to get up to 6.2 miles an hour or 10 miles an hour or 20 miles an hour? How steep does this thing need to be, right? For us to get into that gravity plus the momentum. So I did some calculations and I found, I found some, 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 some resistance benchmarks of a semi-submerged object for a coefficient of drag so this is where i went really i went down the rabbit hole on this one for a shortboard versus a long board all right and and what you notice and i'll throw this one up on the screen as well a shortboard's coefficient of drag is 0.09 and that's just a general constant and a long board is 0.05 so almost half less right? Which makes total sense because we're up out of the water. When you're on a longboard, you completely remove your body out of the water and therefore that, that drag resistance is gone. You just have the board at that point. So when we, here's some more. So when we are at um, 10 degree ramp, just a 10 degree ramp in one second on a shortboard, we'll get to 1.87 uh, miles an hour in one second. That's its acceleration at that point. So that's just in one second. Now the wave is moving. So there's, we're going to freeze frame all of this into that one second period. And and at 10 degrees, you only get to just under two miles an hour. So that's not going to be a high enough ramp for a shortboard. Right? So now wave is constantly changing. It's doing this as it goes in the speed at which this does that. You're going to tap into multiple, uh, degrees on this ramp. So let's just see 20 degrees we get to 5.65 miles per hour in a second. That's our acceleration. So that's pretty close to 6.2. We still haven't been able to catch a two-foot wave yet on a shortboard. But at 30 degrees, at 30-degree ramp, we're looking at 9.26 miles an hour for a shortboard. So a minimum between 20 and 30 degrees is what we need for a shortboard just to get a two foot wave and then it just you can play this game with an eight foot wave and a 12 foot wave and a 40 foot wave and all that on a long board when you put that coefficient of drag in at 10 degrees you're at 2.73 miles an hour uh, at 20 degrees you're at 6.47 so Basically, what we're saying here is that at 20 degrees, you can catch a two-foot wave on a longboard, but you can't catch it with a shortboard. You have to wait until that wave is steep enough further inside to catch that to get that acceleration. Uh, which I found okay. That's consistent with what we see out in the water, which is exactly it. So that's uh, that's just some some trig and some. I go really deep into this. Um, so so our goal to catch a wave really is just to give us more time to get us in just a little bit more. Um, I kind of want to go into this, but I'm, I think I'm going to reserve this for another episode because the next kind of question is if our goal is to get into the wave slightly earlier, the next question is at what point should we put on those afterburners? Should we really you know, use our paddling to give us that extra advantage? Because it goes back to what you were talking about. It's like, well, you know, somebody that paddles less might be in a better position. Actually, I'm saying you don't have to paddle at all. I have an example of Kyle Lenny dropping into Jaws with one stroke. He turned, pivoted, one stroke, and he was in. Perfect positioning, perfect timing, right? So that's, I think that's a whole other conversation is the timing at which we do paddle uh, makes a huge difference as well. Mm-hmm. But uh that's for I think another time. That's maybe a teaser for a future episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, um wow, that was <laughs> no, <laughs> that, I- <laughs> it, no, it's 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 cool, you know. Um I think if I had to um refine it or um unrefine it to the to the layman surfer version, if I'm surfing small waves on a shortboard, what I think I hear you saying is look for the steep parts of the wave to make it easier, right? Mm-hmm. Like if if a small wave is just generally going slower and has less pitch, just, you know, I think a lot of surfers that have been surfing for maybe 10 years would know intuitively they have to get right to the point where the pitchier it is, the easier it is to catch. So um, it, it kind of seems like what you're saying is the pitchier, the wave, the less uh, velocity that you need to generate with, your own skill and and vice versa so um you know kind of one of the cool things that i've heard you talk about in the past is um and, and this is a bit of a tangent but kind of the concept of kicking when you paddle yeah and what that actually does does it actually like you know if you're on a shortboard and 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 this is the plane of the water and your shortboard kind of naturally sits like this does kicking actually propel you and make you plow more or does kicking actually de-weight the back and reduce that kind of like coefficient of drag you're talking about yeah almost make us faster that way so i'm uh, freaking
0: out right now because in in one of the studies (laughs) it showed kicking versus non-kicking oh man and it shows again it this is consistent with swim research that kicking does add velocity but yeah, what, by, what, they, right? what they don't know is is it is it because it's lifting the tail yeah. or is it because it's actually providing propulsion, so action reaction, right? Yeah. But you know, as surfers, we're like, well, hey, it helps as long right. as it doesn't throw you off your board. But everything you said is is great. It's I think the, the bottom line is is to save your energy. And so when we talk about the timing of that the, those afterburners, that, that paddle. It's all about saving energy and not burning out trying to catch a wave that's at 10 degrees and going really slowly. Wait until that thing gets up so it makes it easier for you. It also, you know, you could get so far as um, you could just wait until it's like 60 degrees and just drop in last minute like they do at Mm Chopu, right? Mm -hmm. So as you advance, the less paddling you end up doing overall to catch a wave. Mm -hmm. and the people that have taken my level two that are advanced surfers they're like wow this is this is exactly what i've been doing for so many years of surfing but i just could never i could never put like words to it and now it kind of opens up that whole thought process so next time that you guys are out surfing think about this you know think about watching looking at a wave rather than a wave just coming in and breaking, look at it as an incline plane, as kind of like a, like a, uh, like a skate ramp, let mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think um, kind of the, the cheater version of that would be to go to a maybe popular surf spot and just watch it, and, and see what the good guys and, and gals are doing, and you'll, you'll notice them, uh, because they'll be the ones catching a majority of the waves, and then kind of see what the people on the shoulder are doing so in an ideal setup you you look at like like a point break and and if the point break like that kind of um steepness of the curve is kind of here and then it's flat over here the people over here are very rarely catching waves you need to be over here to kind of harness that um that kind of velocity that you're talking about and and we all know there's that kind of like social cultural kind of hierarchy we're getting to there is maybe the hardest part and that's the whole gist um but it's not an accident that the guys catching the most waves are in the position you know um you know when i when i first started surfing and i graduated to our local um pseudo point break that shall remain nameless uh in marin county too
0: good to reveal <laughs> yeah
1: it's it, it's uh you know i had to kind of work up the courage to get closer to um the makeshift kind of rock uh, takeoff spot and so i spent a lot of time on the shoulder catching zero waves and and it wasn't because i was maybe it wasn't maybe because i was a bad paddler but because i lacked the the courage to kind of you know be aggressive and kind of work my way over but once once you kind of get there man it's so much easier um but yeah i think um If you kind of, if you kind of watch a lineup like that um, and just see what those guys are doing and how they're positioning themselves, it it won't be an accident why they're taking off in that kind of steep section of the wave when other people are struggling to catch waves in the flats.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, That's again, the positioning of it all. And in level two, we talk about sprint paddling with positioning, Mm -hmm. with timing, and it's not one size fits all it's a combination of them and uh yeah i think that was a pretty good discussion and last last point here so the the have you heard of the malakai to oahu paddleboard race yes yeah so that's another 32 miler Mm -hmm. the catalina classic is a qualifier for that and i just was pulling up the absolute stock records and unlimited class records uh the unlimited record was 7.4 miles an hour mm. and the stock was 6.8 miles an hour, which is 21% faster on average than the Catalina Classic. Hmm. There you go. The reason they're faster is because they are riding bumps. Mm-hmm. They're using gravity. They're using the moment, momentum of the swells to ride waves across the channel. It's, it's you know, the, the distances aren't exact, but you can see right there a great example of, it's not just paddling that they're doing in the Molokai to Oahu. You could have a, a beast of a paddler just crush the Catalina classic, but if they don't know how to read waves or ride waves, they're not gonna do that well at Molokai. hmm So that's all I got for you guys right now. We got more later. So Jim, you wanna drop some knowledge on us? Yeah, sure. Um, Hold on, actually. We got to do a word from our sponsor. (laughs) Hey, Jim. Yeah, Rob. Hey, did you know that I hurt my foot in December?
1: I did. I did hear about this. Yeah, you told me.
0: Yeah. I wasn't walking for like three and a half months. But you know what? I called up SaltyPT.com and this guy, Jim, answered and he gave me these super awesome exercises to do. And now I'm jumping on a trampoline. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad you're feeling better, man.
0: Yeah. No, it feels good. It feels really, really, really good. But yeah, guys, if you guys are hurt, Jim uh, is just a phone call away or an email away. SaltyPT.com.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Um, I, I really appreciate that. Um, it's been really cool to see who contacts me uh, through that. I really enjoy answering questions, especially from surfers and even non-surfers. But the surfers are fun because they're usually um, they usually have unique questions and problems that um, I can help coach them. And it's been uh, really neat to connect with people in Australia and um, even the East Coast. I've done some uh, kind of FaceTime Skype uh types of assessments and coaching so um, yeah um, a salty pt at instagram and uh www.saltypt.com um, but um yeah maybe um a little bit about my background uh so um i linked up with you rob a few years back because i realized we had uh mutual kind of interest in clients and i was like oh man we got to like we got to connect man we got to do something um, I come from a very uh, maybe sports med background. I, I knew I wanted to be a sports uh, uh, med uh, physical therapist when I was 17, 18 years old, and, um, and I'm doing it. And uh, I've been practicing since 2008. Um, I graduated in, from Chapman down in Orange County um, with my uh, doctor of physical therapy, and have just kind of hit the ground running um, doing all orthopedic Kind of sports med type stuff. Um, I've done extensive training in the world of hands on skill and technique um, from various different philosophies, the primary one being a Maitland based philosophy, which is um, a really hands on type of way of treating and assessing people. And uh, 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 yeah, so I've really kind of gone down that road, but I've combined it with concepts of training and just basic physiology and Um, anatomical concepts and working with surfers and combining my uh, knowledge and passion uh, with that kind of skill set. So it's been super cool to team up with you and treat these clients. Um, But I think uh, I think um, I was thinking about what we should talk about. And one thing that kind of piqued my interest was the way you and I go about Maybe training peddlers and and uh, we, we tend to talk a lot about the shoulder, right because when you paddle on a surfboard, your shoulder is obviously moving and you're, and you're contracting shoulder muscles, so there's got to be something to that and a common complaint if're you're, if you're doing too much or maybe not doing it right. Um, surfers that paddle a lot will get some sort of shoulder pain, and it usually gets written off as like an impingement or bursitis or or, or, or something uh, of that nature. And like if, if we had to kind of take a step back and go, you know, there's different types of training philosophies. There's, uh, you know, this term functional training, which, you know, just to kind of keep it brief, functional training in, in the lower body would be considered maybe um, closed kinetic chain. And so closed kinetic chain training would, would simply mean that the feet are fixed on the floor so do things like squats and uh your squat varietals and step ups but keep the foot fixed on the floor because that's going to strengthen your your lower quarter in a more kind of functional the way it's supposed to work kind of way and um and so there's been adopters of that where all they do is close kinetic chain work because it's more quote functional but i would argue that the old school open kinetic chain which is like the knee extension uh machine and your hamstring curl which is where the foot is not fixed to the floor really has um still some benefit in function because really anytime you're getting muscle stronger it it, i think it's going to help your function it's going to help how you feel it's going to build a mental toughness i mean there's so many characteristics uh that we can't fully describe uh from strength training that do a lot of good and so i noticed on your site uh some of your recent paddling um training vid videos it's a lot of kind of like open kinetic chain for the upper body right yeah and i'm the same way so like for myself i'm like okay i want to get better at paddling so what's the most um Functional thing I could do for my upper body. Well, more open kinetic chain, which is where the hand is not fixed, right? And so the classic one would be maybe a stooped row. So like um, like if I had a sport court or something like that, I would like anchor in a door, and I'd kind of do these things and and, and these kind of guys uh, because the the general mindset is is doing a similar thing that my paddling. Therefore, I must get strong in in those muscles to to kind of transfer over to my paddling. And I don't think that's a bad way to to look at it. I think there's a lot of truth to that. It is in the category of sport specific training. But if we kind of carried over that belief from the lower quarter to the upper quarter, remember there's a lot of secret sauce in things that are not functional, right? And so I read this interesting article from this group out of – the the surfing australia high performance center so this is like guys like oliver farley who's on instagram who i uh, really like and jeremy shepherd and joseph coin and and essentially they kind of opened my eyes up and saying you hey know, know who
0: studying this was is <laughs> <It was laughs> oliver farley
1: yeah he he's kind of the man i really i really like what he's done um he's kind of a unique character in our world yeah. and um it's, it's neat to piggyback off of his ideas and concepts, because there is a little bit of, um, obviously, science that he's applying there. And so if we kind of took the concept of paddling, if, if my error was kind of thinking paddling is an open chain activity, which is just a hand moving in space, we can argue that it's a closed kinetic chain activity, which is kind of what this group of researchers did. And Whether you recognize it or not, Rob, you kind of indirectly told me that years ago by using the metaphor of like visualizing um, ladder rungs when you're paddling and kind of pulling them underneath you. So the hand is fixed, right? But your body is moving over or moving on top of a fixed object. Right, right. You
0: anchor the hand and then you bring the body right past it.
1: Yeah. And I think I never really had a swimming training background, so I never function with that analogy but swimmers out there would be like of course that's like put your hand in the thick mud maybe,
0: maybe, and, only, maybe like a quarter of them that listen to their coaches would yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so i think i think paddling or um swimming even are are kind of unique activities in in that sense like like we don't fully know if they're closed kinetic chain or at least quasi closed kinetic chain but again training with both open and closed is probably gonna have some high yield there and so this group of researchers looked at um maximal strength training and they did uh, a five week kind of interval where they looked at 17 recreational and competitive surfers and what they had them do is they did various things they they had um three sprint paddle distances, 5, 10, 15 meter. And then they had uh, uh, an endurance paddle, which was, uh, I believe it was 400 meter. And so they timed these surfers, and they used the same board, same fins, same board shorts, you know, to try to control for all these, like, you know, nuances of drag. And they calculated those average times, and what they did is they kept a control, which was the control group did zero strength training. And then they compared it to the intervention group, which was essentially strength training, not endurance training. And so the difference is, is kind of like low rep, um, low rep, high amounts of sets for strength training. And so this is like, you know, if we if we kind of use the term from the fitness world RPE or rate of perceived exertion, these are hard sets. Like if I'm doing a set of five. I'm pretty smoked after doing five repetitions, whereas like a classic endurance training, you might hear like, oh, lift, lift, lighter weight, more reps, right? And so my RPE might be relatively low by the time I finish a set of 15 I'm, or 20. I'm thinking
0: like in my head, I'm thinking like the, the big, huge dude that's like, I pick things up and put them down, right? right? right. That's it.
1: You know, I work with a lot of surfers that like don't want to bulk up, right? Like, They, they don't want to get to be like that. Um, so they shy away from really training in general, but more specifically heavyweight training in general. And, and I think that's a bit of a mistake, um, because there's a lot of value in combining, uh, strength with endurance training, you know? So these guys, these guys, um, uh, had surfers go through strength training with, uh, simple classic, uh, what we call pronated pull-ups so these kind of things right and then they had them do dip training and they would gradually progress the resistance based off this concept of perceived fatigue and and really um you know the first set might be four or five reps the second set might be four reps three then two and then one so they're really smoked by the time they get to that last set and um what was really i mean kind of obvious was that kind of training improved their sprint times so that recheck on their 5 10 15 meter sprint it improved those times significantly compared to the controls which actually got slower Um, (laughs) which you know is kind of like normal life right we're all fighting off that um middle-aged kind of dad bod where you you,
0: I think there's a little bit of that, but I actually have found some research, and maybe we'll do this on another episode. Where when you are not practicing with deliberate practice in your mind, you the older you get, the worse you get.
1: Yeah, which is crazy. It is crazy, and I mean, I've dealt with my own injuries, and you know, I'm you know, we're similar in age. I'm thirty seven. It's like I was telling a patient today in the clinic who's an athlete. I'm like, you know, the surfing that I get away with when I was I got away with when I was twenty compared to now i want to surf like a 20 year old but the effort it takes to like keep on that like behind the scenes is astronomical like when you're 20 you you do nothing and uh you you go surfing and you drink beer at night and you do it again the next day and that's all you do and you never get injured, (laughs) you know and then when you're 37 you're like man like i have to get a good night's rest Uh, drink no beer and do all this training during the week just so the wheels don't fall off after I finish my one and a half hour session, you know, but it's worth it, obviously. And, um, and I think that's kind of like just a part of aging and keeping up. I mean, I don't think it's an accident why people fall off of shortboarding uh, when they're recreational surfers or transition to you know, maybe more mid lengths or, or, or long boards as they get injured or stand up paddle boards. And, and, you know, those things are awesome tools because if, if I had a tough time popping up, I would go there too, you know, but you know what, I'm going to guys like Kelly Slater, I I admire because he's in his late forties now and he's still surfing great. And so it's obviously possible, but, um, that didn't happen by accident. He obviously puts in a lot of training. Um,
0: and well, you and I have a plan, right? So when yeah. we age, we're already starting to longboard now so that when we're at that stage where we just can't shortboard anymore, we'll be decent longboarders. And that's when we'll start supping.
1: Yeah. Well, you're not, you're not supposed to give away all the secrets because, <laughs> you know, uh, my, my goal is to be 10 years ahead of the curve. So I started longboarding maybe five or six, seven years ago now. And I figured by the time everyone jumps on them, I have 10, 15 years ahead of them. So.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. well, I think we're blowing them out of the water right now. I and mean, you look at Kelly and, and how he's blown that curve out of the water. Oh yeah. Um, uh, we got, we got like 20 more years before we're off short boards. I got oh, yeah. I have clients that came to me 65 years old. He's like, dude, I thought I was going to have to surf longboards the rest of my life. I'm now down to a five, five short board again. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean,
1: some of it's some of it's fitness, some of it's psychology, some of it's board choice, and some of it's paddling position and timing. Like, look at like so. I'm a similar kind of frame as Kelly. Not to kind of throw that out there, but
0: um, I'm I think about. That's what you just did. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up some footage of Jim later, and we'll put it side by side with Kelly. He yeah,
1: just- let's not do that. Uh, uh, yeah, but like similar height. I'm I'm five eight. I weigh about 160 pounds. And I don't know if you saw footage of Kelly Slater on a five three. Um, I think it was uh, one of Tomo Daniel Thompson's cool surfboards, surfing like 20 foot face Haliiva, and just like totally attacking it. And I'm like, how does he do that? You know, I surf a five six, and I and I'm struggling at like. You know, and so it kind of goes goes away from that, like the older we get, you know, we just get on bigger and longer boards. I mean, I think you can obviously defy that kind of like traditional progression, but um yeah, that was a bit of a tangent, but uh, <laughs> um, you know so so back back to like this concept of uh putting in maintenance and strengthening i think um so if we go back to that group, the group that did pull-up in DIP training, um, heavy load, uh, which in, in these cases was more than their body weight. So these guys like, had um, a belt with, a, with, with weights kind of anchored to them to really fatigue out five or four reps. Um, they uh, not only uh, gained muscle mass, but they lost fat mass. Um, and these were done with like, skin fold types of testing, but they gained strength. They improved their uh, 5, 10, 15-meter sprint times, and the coolest thing was is they improved their endurance paddle time, which kind of defies the traditional 20-years-ago kind of model of you train endurance to get better at endurance. These guys trained heavy load and got better at something that's supposed to be a different type of muscle fiber contraction quality, which is like more endurance-based,
0: um, well, there's a there's a guy out there. I think he's a CrossFit guy that kind of abides by that too. Is that really high weight, high uh, will improve your endurance? I think he's like a ultra runner or something. Have you seen this guy? i um,
1: not specifically. I don't know, but you know the whole. I think I think I'm a big fan of CrossFit. I wasn't when it first came out, just because I'm a salty PT and. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, But yeah, no, I've really bought into um, those kind of concepts and being open to um, all sorts of training ideas. And it's kind of like a lot of things in in life, I guess, is the answer is very rarely on the ends and more in the middle. Um, So if you're only or never, you're probably missing some secret ingredient if 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 you kind of think like that. So like, you know, in terms of what we do for paddling to get faster and more efficient at paddling... Maybe we should be doing some of the open kinetic chain, but maybe we should also combine that with some of these closed kinetic chain benefits that, um, uh, Dr. Farley and, uh, Jeremy Shepard put out in this great study, um, in 2016, because uh, I, I don't think we necessarily know why it works like that, but, uh, I mean, it's like a lot of things in science, you can take your best guess. Is it because I lost fat strength training and therefore I'm, uh, uh, more efficient that way. I'm less heavy, or is it because more my, Yeah, am I more um, Or is it because my muscles are now more efficient, which reduces kind of the cardiorespiratory demand on the system, which is just another way of saying it, it improves our stroke economy. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think that's kind of a neat concept: training and, uh, and and kind of having some science behind what you're doing. And and knowing it's going to greatly impact um, your speed in the water.
0: Yeah, and I think it goes to to something that you and I really prescribe to, which is balance. You know, if you do yeah. too much of one thing, it you know you're going to get limited in that one thing. It's just just keep moving, keep mixing it up. Uh, there's no one size fits all program um, that will help yeah. you all the time.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, I ate ice cream for breakfast today and and there's there's Good a really Yeah. Um, but and, and, and my point is is it was coffee ice cream and my son woke me up um, super early and I tried to go back to sleep and I was tired and I and I woke up and I was running late to work and so I needed I needed kind of this cornerstone like breakfast, coffee, all in one. And I opened the freezer and I had coffee, ice cream. I said, great. I took two bites and I was off and I felt great. Um, but to that point of balance, I don't do that every day. Like I, I, I get away with it um, because so much of my weekly regimen is trying to eat healthy, trying to exercise. And so when, you, when you're putting in like general healthy living concepts into your weekly regimen, I believe the one-offs, which is kind of like you hear people say moderation is key with everything. I mean, I think, I think you could say the same thing about training and surfing and, and, and the efforts you kind of put there. And having variety is, is key. And um, what's kind of neat in some of these training concepts is when you do add variety and mix it up, um, sometimes that works better than we originally thought. So um, I'm open to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's why we ride so many weird boards at our local break. Totally. <laughs> that, that shall not be named. Right. At this right. point.
1: <laughs> spot. spot X.
0: Yeah, Spot X. Hey, uh, awesome. I love that. I love that, uh, that little research that you brought in. Um, we got to do another word from our sponsor.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Here's a word from our sponsor. Are you having trouble paddling? Do you want to paddle faster with less energy and prevent injury? Then go to surfingpaddling.com to learn more.
1: <laughs> that was good, man.
0: I had to try that one. That was good.
1: Yeah. I like um,
0: it. So last last segment for you. I don't know if I if I prepped you on this, but um we're calling it wet suits on backwards it's just you have an embarrassing moment from surfing in your past that you can share because we've all been there we've all kind of been embarrassed and made mistakes um do you have one off the top of your head uh i got a lot of them give give us one fun one
1: (laughs) yeah um so uh and it's personal right like yeah okay Um, so I was probably 23, 24 years old and I was just taking a liking to surfing quads and I was, had just moved to orange County, uh, to go to PT school, physical therapy school. And really up to that point, all I knew was thrusters. And so this was probably my first or second session, um, on a quad. And it was, it was like a five ten. uh, uh, stretch forefin that nathan fletcher kind of bat tail quad so really loose in the back and kind of squirrely and um uh, i took it out in newport uh in orange county and it was really kind of like pitchy day true height maybe six plus eight foot on the face it was kind of one of those crazy local or uh summer south swells and it was a really kind of scrappy day shifty and lots of people down there i wasn't used to that you really kind of had to put yourself in the zone with a bunch of people and uh kind of bump elbows and that whole concept was relatively new to me in terms of like how that works in socal and i remember i i did everything right i got in position and uh caught a wave that was breaking pretty far outside compared to where the rest of the pack was and so Pretty much what that enabled me to do was take off and put myself in position with really an audience of like 50 people watching me. And I wasn't used to the quad and I got hung up and it was like the only time surfing where I, I, I literally went feet overhead and like landed on my back from like a six to eight foot airborne drop position. And that was really embarrassing. And I came up and it was like, I still heard the like, reverbial like oh from the
0: crowd like <laughs> the worst.
1: That, that was a pretty bad one
0: yeah that one's that one is pretty bad we've all felt that though like i don't know about you but i i always i feel like if people are watching me i can't perform i can never be a professional surfer i can't perform when people watch me everything that i do really well happens when people aren't watching <laughs> yeah and it always happens when people aren't watching so I got one, um, I, I worked at the Mission Bay Aquatic Center down in San Diego, and it was funny, we were out, uh, I was with a friend, um, we were out surfing, and this other friend of ours was kind of like the director at the time, well not the director, he was like the the guy that hired people at the aquatic center, and he's like, turns to me and he's like, you know, we, we'd been surfing together as a group for a while, and he turns to me he's like, hey, um, would you be interested in... Uh, coming out and being a surf instructor for the Aquatic Center. And I was like, like, yeah, totally. Like my friends didn't tell me about this or anything. I was like, yeah, I was like so fired up. And a wave was coming in. So I turned to paddle and I paddled and the timing wasn't right. And I I don't know what happened in my brain, but I got up way too early. And I got up and then I just kind of floated out the back of it and sunk. And my other buddy turns to him and is like, you sure you still want to hire this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I so bad. I was like, oh, no. That was the fastest job I ever had right there. Uh, but, yeah, no, I went on to become one of the best surf instructors. So, hey, and I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if, 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 if you're not swinging and missing, you're not trying, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally.
0: <laughs> well uh, thanks Jim for coming out Uh, thank you viewers for watching Uh, we're going to go ahead and post this to YouTube so please subscribe like it if you liked it we're also going to make just an audio version so that you can download it and listen to (laughs) us banter on yeah definitely subscribe and share and you know we've got got two major sponsors now so we're going to be doing a few episodes at least Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for, uh, for watching and listening. We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks guys.